Please turn to Romans chapter 12, verses 9, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, and honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peacefully with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give peace to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For if so, doing you with heap coals of fire on his head, do not overcome by evil, but overcome by evil but with good. Appreciate Nolan and his willingness to read scripture, particularly with reading a longer passage than normal that we have. As I select scripture readings for tying with a lesson, I don't have access to who's reading the scriptures. So sometimes they get a little longer than some might be accustomed to, but always appreciate Nolan and his willingness to do that. Controlling our thoughts. If we would remind ourselves what can wash away our sins, nothing but the blood of Jesus. We understand that it is the blood of Jesus that puts us into the body of Christ. But it is the blood of Jesus that continually washes us from our sins. Then the concept as well as to how we think will be controlled by that blood of Jesus as well. In light of, again, the Lord's Supper, the remembering of what went on during that particular time and the Lord's Supper being instituted. The attitude that Jesus had 
his attitude towards his disciples, knowing that one would betray him, knowing that the eleven would also abandon him, forsake him when he was arrested. But as you look at his thoughts and his attitudes, because of his love, Jesus did what he did in order that we and they might learn what's involved in controlling thoughts, to dwell in that heavenly vision or the heavenly place of he- uh, the eternal home of heaven, to think of what Christ went through, what God went through, the attitude that expressed on the cross towards the one thief who asked to be remembered, towards the multitude who had crucified him, the willingness to offer both with his life and with the hope that he gave, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He left us an example for us to follow in his steps, reminding us what we need to be thinking about as believers, what we need to be thinking about as being a part of the body of Christ, what makes that possible, what enables us to desire to control the thoughts. There's no way to stop thoughts from crossing our minds, I've often said, but it's wrong for us to allow those thoughts, evil thoughts, to take hold and to dwell upon I mentioned a little bit earlier in the Bible class about those who may have taken advantage of us and we sought to do good. And again, that's a little bit of what you see in the Last Supper, is it not? A little bit of what you see in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a little bit of what you see on Calvary. The rejection of those who he loved. The rejection of those whom he gave his life for, even those that he worked with, loved and served for three, three and a half years. Never a word of agitation, never a word of regret, never a word of disappointment in what he did for those who he would be able to call his brethren. 
left us an example of how we ought to conduct ourselves as well towards the attitude that we have towards our brethren. And if we could learn the lessons from here in Romans 12, it makes life different. It makes life a pleasure to live and to work with. We're each admonished to be honest. With the love of the brethren, with an honest love that knows no pretense, it is to be genuine like that of the Savior for us. Be honest. We are brethren. We are brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who shed his blood to allow us to be able to assemble as we have this morning. We are admonished to be loving. To love one another with a faithful devotion towards each other. The love that is described here is not that emotional type of love. It's the one described in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. The importance of that is seen in verses 1 through 3. The length of that love is found in verses 9 through 13, that same chapter. The love referred to here can only be found in the closest of families. Not a one of us here that is a child of God that has not been saved by the grace of God because of that sacrifice. It's not a child of God here that is above another child of God here. That we have the same compassion, the same love, the same concern towards one another. We are demonished to be humble. Putting others ahead of ourselves. And it's that reminder to us, regardless of who we are, regardless of what we have been given by God in the way of what we would call talents or capabilities, there's not a one of us that is above another. What we have, God has given. If God has given us what we have, be it the one, the two, the five talents. Matthew reminds us in Matthew 25, 15 that he gave to each one according to their several abilities. What we have, we've been given. And if we've been given our talents, why do we act at times as if we have not been given those talents? God gave them. 
Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 18 that God has placed us in the, in the body just as it's pleased him. The reminder is that what has brought us together is God. What unites us together is God. And where he's placed us is God. He put us where he wants us to be. There's lessons, there's hope, there's encouragement, there's support for each one who is a member of the body of Christ, be it here or be it universally in God's kingdom. What we do benefits others, not just ourselves. What others have done have been a benefit to us. Again, that reminder to us as we think about it from time to time, very few of us here to where this is the only congregation that we've had any association with in being a member of the body of Christ. Most of us have been Christians and been a part of the body of Christ in other locations. But God has a reason for all those changes that we saw that we may not have recognized at the time. All those little subtle moves and directions, promotions, whatever else it may be, for God to have the body where he wants it to be. So the humbleness that is there, we're his. Let us glorify him in the life that we live. We're reminded wherever we've been and whatever we've gone through, that God has always looked after us and always has cared for us, oftentimes in ways that many times we haven't recognized until years down the road. We look back and say, I see the benefit. I learned a lesson there. And what we learned and we share with others we're to be diligent in our dealings with others. We're His. There's an honor to that. There's a responsibility to that. And there's a sense of awe in that. God entrusting you as an individual with the work to be done in His body the body of Christ, and to bring honor and glory to his name by the diligence that we give. Hard to read the Gospels, hard to read the New Testament, hard to read the Old Testament, and not see the deep devotion, the diligence that God has demonstrated with those whom he's created in his own image and after his own likeness. The diligence that he's shown in bringing about the Savior, bringing about the body, 
the diligence that he's shown in his patience and working that body together. So that indeed it is a light to the world. That they can see something different and need to see something different in the way that we interact with each other. The compassion that is sown to one another. Being helpful towards one another. Another one of those characteristics that God has shown unto us. To see a need and to be able to arise to that need, whatever it may be. To show compassion where it's needed. Each one of us goes through some trials and some tribulations. Each one of us has things that touch our hearts that may not have the same importance to us as it does to them. But if they hurt, we hurt. And they can rejoice and we can rejoice as well. John talks about if we see a brother in need and don't have a heart of mercy, how can the love of God abide in us? God saw us in our hurt, our lostness, and he moved with compassion to remove that which would separate us and cause us heartache. The willingness to be helpful, to be open towards one another. That's always been hard for human beings to do, to be open towards one another. You see, we're just not simply human beings. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. If any man or is, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, a new being. All things have passed away, and all things have become new. And it's hard. But as it is in the physical realm, it comes through time. As the baby learns to grow and to adapt and then interact and to have the associations, it all takes time. But to be open towards one another. Again, we're all in the same situation. Sinners who've been washed in the blood of Christ, striving to do the things that indeed will be good and acceptable in the eyes of God. Being kind towards one another. Why is that so hard? To be kind. And then to be compassionate. The difficulty there at times. It's your fault that you hurt. You walked into it. Nobody made you do it. Why is it hard to be compassionate? We've walked into hurt. We need to be compassionate towards one another. That comes through its time. Comes with the desire. Comes with wanting to be more and more like the Savior. 
to look at the life of Jesus, to see his compassionate towards those, his people lost like a shepherd without it, like sheep without the shepherd. But you see his interest in the human beings and the compassion that he shows. How he works even with his disciples in their various trials. Think about Peter walking on the water and then losing confidence and beginning to to sink. Oh, Peter, why did you doubt? What would cause you to doubt God or Jesus? Why did you doubt? Oh, ye of little faith. Do we not believe in the faith that we have in God? That he knows who we are? That he knows what we're thinking? Indeed, what we ought to be. We control our thoughts and need to and our spiritual actions as well. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 1 and 16, Be ye holy. For I am holy, says the Lord. Be concerned about your spiritual walk before the Lord. To hate the evil. And to cleave or to be glued to what is right. Which has a meaning again that we, we know, we can know, we can learn from his word. That which is evil and that which is good. And our desire needs to be as it is with a small child. I want to be more like my father. I want to be the imitator of what he was. And to know again that we're always imperfect in that. I mentioned at times that when I was growing up, I always looked forward to the time where I could wear my daddy's shoes. And where we grew up is in the summertime, we didn't wear shoes. Because you only got one pair of shoes a year, and that's when school started. And then get another pair until school started again. You just had the one pair. In the summertime, you didn't wear shoes. Anyway, one summer, went through the, whole th- went through the summer and then got ready for getting new shoes. When I got measured for shoes, and I'd already outgrown my daddy in his shoe size. Never got to wear his shoes. But that's what children do, is that desire to imitate, to be like. I never thought about it until my little sister reminded me of it. One time was out there recent, a few years back, and she looked at me and she says, you know, you're just like Daddy. He says you've got pens in your pocket and glasses in your pocket, just like Daddy did. And I said, I never thought about that, but yeah, that's why he always was. Uh, do we desire that imitation of our Heavenly Father? It's going to be imperfect. It's going to come up, in an essence, if you will, as a small child imitating the parents. It looks foolish. But in the eyes of God, is there anything more precious 
been watching your child imitate you? And rest assured, as parents, you know fully as well that as they imitate you, they, they know you. And they do not always imitate just the good. They know they're the qualities as well. They know the tone of voice. They know when that voice reaches a certain tone, it's time to do something else. They imitate as they observe. Because you're setting the example. Be ye holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. Be ye excited about doing God's will. You're in the most precious work that there is, the most glorious work that there is. You're in the kingdom of God. You're serving a, a loving master. And it's a joy. It's a joy to be in this house and have the fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. The challenge to be faithful and know what's involved in that. Faithful to the Lord. That's part of being the imitator of the, of the Lord as well. It's hard to even begin to imagine the Lord being unfaithful to us. Hard to imagine the Lord being inconsistent with us. But it's easy to believe that he's consistent with us and he's faithful to us. And we need to be to each other and to him as well. And to be happy. Do you know it's yours? Do you really know it's yours? Be happy. You have forgiveness of sins that will condemn one to hell. You've been forgiven of those. They've been washed away and remembered by God no more. Is that not a sense of happiness or gratitude? Thank God they're in the past and they're forgotten and they're washed away by the blood of Christ. And you ought to be happy because you also know what lies ahead. We do that in life. There have been those who have been looking forward to this coming week. No school. Should we not have that type of happiness to know that one day... (laughs) We're going to be in heaven with God. And everything we've gone through here is going to be gone. And everything there will be new. And to be hopeful. Do we not remind ourselves, Romans 8, 28, from time to time, to think about it, to dwell upon it? It all works together. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. All those aches, all those pains, all those aches and those pains that don't seem to want to leave, it all works together for good. 
reminds us that this life isn't perfect and this life isn't eternal and one day those aches and those pains will be gone. And at times, at times they do give me a, a brief glimpse of the suffering of my Savior. How can I complain when I see him in the Garden of Gethsemane? How can I complain when I see him hanging on the cross? But for the joy set before him, despising the shame, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, in Hebrews 12. Ah, there's a reason to rejoice and to be glad, to be hopeful along the way. And to be prayerful. Spend that time in prayer with the Father. Just that communication. Just knowing. You ever thought about that? Just knowing that at any time, under any circumstance, you have access to him. Bold access, the Hebrew writer says in 4.16. We can boldly come before the throne of God to receive grace in the time of need. Boldly come before that throne of grace and find mercy. Boldly. He's there. And he longs to hear from his children. Not just a set time. Well, here's the time I set aside to pray. No, it's at any time. To have that attitude, that spiritual relationship with him. That we need to act like brethren. Really do. We're saying God's family. We are a family. Family squabble, but families stick together. Family love and family support one another. Walk as a family. And enjoy that fellowship that we have with one another. Walk in forgiveness with each other. Let God deal with the issues when they've been repented of, confessed, they're taken care of. We need to be willing to forgive one another. We all fall short. And God works with us. We need to work with one another and be faithful to each other. Attitudes, concepts, learning to control what we think. Philippians 4, 8, things that are honorable, just, of good report, virtue, praise, and all those, that list there. Let your mind dwell on these things. The peace of God that passes understanding will give you peace. We're blessed people. If we accept what God has done for us, if we accept what God is doing with us, and if we accept what God will do for us as we move towards eternity.
But it does begin with what can wash away my sins? Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So the question will always be, have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? Is your life where it ought to be? Or is there a need for you to make a change in your life? There may be to become a child of God. There may be to become a, to renew that life in Christ Jesus again. Remember whose yours are, who you belong to, and live it that way. We could assist you, or we could help in any way. Indeed, we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.